Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 141. One of the themes that runs through the Bible is that having rejected God as the true God and true King of our lives, we have constantly replaced him with ourselves, with other people, with other things. In our passages today, we see how that works itself out in the lives of the kings of Israel and Judah. But also we read as we begin Matthew, the arrival of the true God and true King, Jesus himself, the one who gives true hope because he is the rightful and true God and King. So we begin today with 1 Kings 18 and continue our story of Elijah and Ahab. Sometime later, in the third year of the famine, the Lord's message came to Elijah. Go make an appearance before Ahab so I may send rain on the surface of the ground. So Elijah went to make an appearance before Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who supervised the palace. Now Obadiah was a very loyal follower of the Lord. When Jezebel was killing the Lord's prophets, Obadiah took 100 prophets and hid them in two caves in two groups of 50. He also brought them food and water. Ahab told Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grazing areas so we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the animals. They divided up the land between them to search it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went the other way by himself. As Obadiah was traveling along, Elijah met him. When he recognized him, he fell face down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my master Elijah? He replied, Yes, go and say to your master, Elijah is back. Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are ready to hand your servant over to Ahab for execution? As certainly as the Lord your God lives, my master has sent to every nation and kingdom in an effort to find you. When they say, He's not here, he makes them swear an oath that they could not find you. Now you say, Go and say to your master, Elijah is back? But when I leave you, the Lord's Spirit will carry you away, so I can't find you. If I go tell Ahab I've seen you, he won't be able to find you, and he will kill me. That would not be fair because your servant has been a loyal follower of the Lord from my youth. Certainly my master is aware of what I did when Jezebel was killing the Lord's prophets. I hid 100 of the Lord's prophets in two caves in two groups of 50 and I brought them food and water. Now you say, go and say to your master, Elijah is back, but he will kill me. But Elijah said, as certainly as the Lord of heaven's armies lives, whom I serve, I will make an appearance before him today. When Obadiah went and informed Ahab, the king went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is it really you, the one who brings disaster on Israel? Elijah replied, I have not brought disaster on Israel, but you and your father's dynasty have, by abandoning the Lord's commandments and following the Baals. Now send out messengers and assemble all Israel before me at Mount Carmel, as well as the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah whom Jezebel supports. Ahab sent messengers to all the Israelites and had all the prophets assemble at Mount Carmel. Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? If the Lord is the true God, then follow him. But if Baal is, 
follow him. But the people did not say a word. Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let them bring us two bowls. Let them choose one of the bowls for themselves, cut it up into pieces and place it on the wood, but they must not set it on fire. I will do the same to the other bowl and place it on the wood, but I will not set it on fire. Then you will invoke the name of your God and I will invoke the name of the Lord. The God who responds with fire will demonstrate that he is the true God. All the people responded, this will be a fair test. Elijah told the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls for yourselves and go first, for you are the majority. Invoke the name of your God, but do not light a fire. So they took a bull as he had suggested and prepared it. They invoked the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound and no answer. They jumped around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. Yell louder, after all, he is a god. He may be deep in thought, or perhaps he stepped out for a moment, or has taken a trip. Perhaps he is sleeping and needs to be awakened. So they yelled louder, and in accordance with their prescribed ritual, mutilated themselves with swords and spears until their bodies were covered with blood. Throughout the afternoon, they were in an ecstatic frenzy, but there was no sound, no answer, and no response. Elijah then told all the people, Approach me. So all the people approached him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Then Elijah took twelve stones corresponding to the number of tribes that descended from Jacob to whom the Lord's message had come, Israel will be your name. With the stones he constructed an altar for the Lord. Around the altar he made a trench large enough to contain two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. Then he said, Fill four water jars and pour the water on the offering and the wood. When he had done so, he said, Do it again. So they did it again. Then he said, Do it a third time. So they did it a third time. The water flowed down all the sides of the altar and filled the trench. When it was time for the evening offering, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are the true God and that you are winning back their allegiance. Then fire from the Lord fell from the sky. It consumed the offering, the wood, the stones, and the dirt, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they threw themselves down with their faces to the ground and said, The Lord is the true God. The Lord is the true God. Elijah told them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah led them down to the Kishon Valley and executed them there. Then Elijah told Ahab, Go on up and eat and drink, for the sound of a heavy rainstorm can be heard. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, while Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down toward the ground and put his face between his knees. He told his servant, Go on up and look in the direction of the sea. So he went on up and looked and reported, There is nothing. Seven times Elijah said to him to look. The seventh time the servant said, Look, a small cloud the size of a palm of a man's hand is rising up from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, hitch up the chariots and go down so that the rain won't overtake you. Meanwhile, the sky was covered with dark clouds, the wind blew, and there was a heavy rainstorm. Ahab rode toward Jezreel. Now the Lord energized Elijah with power. He tucked his robe into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Ahab told Jezebel all that Ahab had done 
Elijah had done, including a detailed account of how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this warning. May the gods judge me severely if by this time tomorrow I do not take your life as you did theirs. Elijah was afraid, so he got up and fled for his life to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He went and sat down under a shrub and asked the Lord to take his life. I've had enough now, O Lord. Take my life. After all, I'm no better than my ancestors. He stretched out and fell asleep under the shrub. Suddenly, an angelic messenger touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked and right there by his head was a cake baking on a hot coals and a jug of water. He ate and drank and then slept some more. The angel of the Lord came back again, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for otherwise you won't be able to make the journey. So he got up and ate and drank. That meal gave him the strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. He went into a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the Lord's message came to him, saying, Why are you here, Elijah? He answered, I have been absolutely loyal to the Lord God of heaven's armies. Even though the Israelites have abandoned the covenant they made with you, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left, and now they want to take my life. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Look, the Lord is ready to pass by. A very very powerful wind went before the Lord, digging into the mountain and causing landslides. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the windstorm, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his robe and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Suddenly a voice asked him, Why are you here, Elijah? He answered, I have been absolutely loyal to the Lord God of heaven's armies, even though the Israelites have abandoned the covenant they made with you, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and now they want to take my life. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and then head for the wilderness of Damascus. Go and anoint Haziel, king over Syria. You must anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shabbat, from the Abel Mahola, to take your place as prophet. Jehu will kill anyone who escapes Haziel's sword, and Elisha will kill anyone who escapes Jehu's sword. I still have left in Israel 7,000 followers who have not bowed their knees to Baal or kissed the images of him. Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shavat. He was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen. He was near the 12th pair. Elisha passed by him and threw his robe over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I will go and follow you. Elijah said to him, Go back, indeed, what have I done to you? Elisha went back and took his pair of oxen and slaughtered them. He cooked the meat over a fire that he made by burning the harness and the yoke. He gave the people meat and they ate. Then he got up and followed Elijah and became his assistant. Now King Ben-Hadad of Assyria assembled all his army along with 32 other kings with their horses and chariots. He marched against Samaria and besieged and attacked it. He sent messengers to King Ahab of Israel, who was in the city. He said to him, This is what Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and your gold are mine, as well as the best of your wives and sons. The king of Israel replied, It is just as you say, my master, O king. I and all I own belong to you. The messengers came again and said, 
This is what Ben-Hadad says. I sent this message to you. You must give me your silver, gold, wives, and sons. But now at this time tomorrow, I will send my servants to you, and they will search through your palace and your servants' houses. They will carry away all your valuables. The king of Israel summoned all the leaders of the land and said, Notice how this man is looking for trouble? Indeed, he demanded my wives, sons, silver, and gold, and I did not resist him. All the leaders and people said to him, Do not give in or agree to his demands. So he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, Say this to my master the king, I will give you everything you demanded at first from your servant, but I am unable to agree to this latest demand. So the messengers went back and gave the report. Ben-Hadad sent another message to him, May the gods judge me severely if there is enough dirt left in Samaria for all my soldiers to scoop up in their hands. The king of Israel replied, Tell him the one who puts on his battle gear should not boast like one who is taking it off. When Ben-Hadad received this reply, he and the other kings were drinking in their quarters. He ordered his servants, Get ready to attack. So they got ready to attack the city. Now a prophet visited King Ahab of Israel and said, This is what the Lord has said. Do you see this huge army? Look, I am going to hand it over to you this very day. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, By whom will this be accomplished? He answered, This is what the Lord has said, by the servants of the district governors. Ahab asked, Who will launch the attack? He answered, You will. So Ahab assembled the 232 servants of the district governors. After that, he assembled all the Israelite army, numbering 7,000. They marched out at noon. When Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings allied with him were drinking heavily in their quarters. The servants of the district governors led the march. When Ben-Hadad sent messengers, they reported back to him, Men are marching out of Samaria. He ordered, Whether they come in peace or do or to do battle, take them alive. They marched out of the city with the servants of the district governors in the lead and the army behind them. Each one struck down an enemy soldier. The Syrians fled and Israel chased them. King Ben-Hadad of Syria escaped on horseback with some horsemen. Then the king of Israel marched out and struck down the horses and chariots. He thoroughly defeated Syria. The prophet visited the king of Israel and instructed him, Go, fortify your defenses. Determine what you must do. For in the spring the king of Syria will attack you. Now the advisers of the king of Syria said to him, Their god is a god of the mountains. That's why they overpowered us. But if we fight them in the plains, we will certainly overpower them. So do this. Dismiss the kings from their command and replace them with military commanders. Muster an army like the one you lost, with the same number of horses and chariots. Then we will fight them in the plains, and we will certainly overpower them. He approved their plan and did as they advised. In the spring, Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrian army and marched to Aphek to fight Israel. When the Israelites had mustered and received their supplies, they marched out to face them in battle. When the Israelites deployed opposite them, They were like two small flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the land. The prophet visited the king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord has said. Because the Syrians said, The Lord is a God of the mountains and not the God of the valleys, I will deliver this entire huge army into your control. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The armies were deployed opposite each other for seven days. On the seventh day, the battle began and the Israelites killed 100,000 Syrian foot soldiers in one day. The remaining 27,000 ran to Aphek and went into the city, but the wall fell on them. Now Ben-Hadad ran into into the city and hid in an inner room. His advisors said to him, Look, we have heard that the kings of the Israelite dynasty are kind. 
Allow us to put sackcloth around our waists and ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Maybe he will spare our lives. So they put sackcloth around their waists and ropes on their heads and they went to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. Ahab replied, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good omen and quickly accepted his offer and saying, Ben-Hadad is your brother. Ahab then said, Go, get him. So Ben-Hadad came out to him, and Ahab pulled him up into his chariot. Ben-Hadad said, I will return the cities my father took from your father. You may set up markets in Damascus, just as my father did in Samaria. Ahab then said, I want to make a treaty with you before I dismiss you. So he made a treaty with him, and then dismissed him. One of the members of the prophetic guild told his companion a message from the Lord, Please wound me. But the man refused to wound him. So the prophet said to the king to him, Because you have disobeyed the Lord, as soon as you leave me, a lion will kill you. When he left him, a lion attacked him and killed him. He found another man and said, Wound me. So the man wounded him severely. The prophet then went and stood by the road, waiting for the king. He also disguised himself by putting a bandage down over his eyes. When the king passed by, he called out to the king, Your servant went out into the battle, into the heart of the battle, and then a man turned aside and brought me a prisoner. He told me, Guard this prisoner. If he ends up missing for any reason, then you will pay with your life or with a talent of silver. Well, it was just so happened that while your servant was doing this and that, he disappeared. The king of Israel then said to him, Your punishment is already determined by your own testimony. The prophet quickly removed the bandages from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized he was one of the prophets. The prophet then said to him, This is what the Lord has said. Because you released a man I had determined should die, you will pay with your life, and your people will suffer instead of his people. The king of Israel went home to Samaria bitter and angry. And now we continue the stories of the kings of Israel and Judah with Second Chronicles 17. Asa's son Jehoshaphat replaced him as king and solidified his rule over Israel. He placed troops in all Judah's fortified cities and posted garrisons throughout the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that his father Asa had seized. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed in his ancestor David's footsteps at the beginning of his reign. He did not seek the Baals, but instead sought the God of his ancestors and obeyed his commands, unlike the Israelites. The Lord made his kingdom secure. All Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he became very wealthy and greatly respected. He was committed to following the Lord. He even removed the high places and Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hal, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanel, and Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. They were accompanied by the Levites, Shimei, Nathaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Jimaranath, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobajanijah, and the priests Elishema and Jehoram. They taught throughout Judah, taking with them the scroll of the law of the Lord. They traveled to all the cities of Judah and taught the people. The Lord put fear into all the kingdoms surrounding Judah. They did not make war with Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat tribute, including a load of silver. The Arabs brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats from their flocks. Jehoshaphat's power kept increasing. He built fortresses and storage cities throughout Judah. He had many supplies stored in the cities of Judah and an army of skilled warriors stationed in Jerusalem. These were their divisions by families. There were 1,000 officers from Judah. Adna, the commander, led 300,000 skilled warriors. Jokananan, the commander, led 280,000, and Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who volunteered to serve the Lord, 
led 200,000 skilled warriors. From Benjamin, Eliada, a skilled warrior, led 200,000 men who were equipped with bulls and bows and shields. And Jehozabad led 180,000 trained warriors. These were the ones who served the king besides those whom the king had placed in the fortified cities throughout Judah. And so we see in Jehoshaphat the beginnings of his reign at least, uh, a rather good king, one who listened to God, who actually taught the people about God and about their need for living for God and serving God and loving him. And it leads us to Matthew chapter 1, our final reading today. And in Matthew chapter 1, we read the story of Jesus' genealogy and his birth, the true king, the true son of David. Matthew 1. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the by the wife of Uriah, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amnon, Amnon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile into Babylon. After the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but he did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. And there we have the birth of Jesus the King, the ultimate son of David, the true king we need, and the true and God, the true God and true king the world needs. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved.
Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there.